0: Welcome, builders, from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen.
1: Hello, builders. I'd love to welcome you to episode 34 of the Build Your Success Podcast. We are here to add value to our listeners so that you can build yourself and then build others. We do that through interviews with leaders from diverse backgrounds and various industries. Today we have Bob Berg. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 925,000 copies and it has been translated into 28 languages. His and John's newest parable is the Go-Giver series, is The Go-Giver Influencer. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and is a past member of the Board of Directors of Fury Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. Bob, it's great to have you on the podcast today.
0: Brian, thank you. Great to be with you. Yeah,
1: you've done such great things with your authorship and then your speaking and leadership. Uh I love to follow you on LinkedIn and see the post you do there. It's just uh uh-huh. it's really inspiring.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: So this, this best selling book here, this go give, what is the
0: premise of the book itself? Well, the premise of the go giver is simply that shifting your focus, which is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. Uh, or if we're talking about leadership, it's, it's the most effective way to lead a team and attain buy-in. Uh, because, you know, let's face it, and, and Dale Carnegie said this in his classic How to Win Friends and Influence People, ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So when we can understand and respect that aspect of human nature, we realize that the degree we focus on bringing value to others, that's the degree that they're going to uh, uh, be much more inclined to buy into us and into our ideas.
1: Yeah, I love that Dale Carnegie reference. How to win and influence people. That, that's a mm-hmm. real oldie but goodie, there, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You talk about
1: in you know, our focus from getting to giving. And I know we've got some skeptics out there that say, "You know what? I give all the time, and seems like I don't get anything in return. How can you make that first step into, into that transition?" To
0: well, typically if someone says to me that they are giving a lot and they're not uh, being returned, they're not getting back, my, my first question is, what are you giving and how are you giving? What you're giving, is it something that the other person understands to be of value? Because often, you know, what we'll do is, 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 is give in a way that we think it should be of value to someone, but that doesn't mean they think that. Value, which can be defined as the relative work or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or uh, beholder, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's what they find to be of value, not what we think is of value or what we think they should think is of value. So, you know, so often when someone says that to me, and we, we kind of really delve into it, it turns out they're doing what they would like, as opposed to the other person.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. So so how do you discover that value for the other person? What's what's some tools for founding value for the other person?
0: Well, you know, I think that when we, when we want to create value for another human being, there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate that, but it it tends to come down to five what we call <laughs> elements of value. And those five are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you can communicate one or more of those five, hopefully all five, uh, at every touch point with another human being, that's really the degree that you If you're selling a product or service, take price and the competition out of the picture, or if you're leading others, that's the degree to which other people, again, are going to be much more receptive to you and your message. Yeah, that that listening, excellence,
1: empathy, just trying to... And then that whole appreciation thing, it feels great to be appreciated, and, and for someone else to appreciate my values, and someone that has taken the time to understand those
0: things is, is definitely a skill. So, so well, you hit it on the head. That, that's where they, you know, that's where they all come in. And, and what you're doing when you do those five is you're really focusing on that other that other individual.
1: So I was listening and writing. Give us those five again.
0: Right. So those five elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy. And appreciation. Say, if we just take one of them and delve into, these, such as empathy, and we hear that term a lot these days, and, you know, there's been almost a, uh, you know, a movement toward toward empathy, which is great, uh, good reason because it is probably the most important life skill, uh, the most important business skill, the most important
1: relationship
0: skill, and it is a skill because it can be developed. Uh, e- empathy by definition, is simply the identification
1: with or
0: vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. So it it sort of sounds like a fancy way of saying, put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yet, when you think about it, that can be difficult to do because most of us, well, we have different sized feet, right? So we, we literally can't put ourselves in the other person's shoes figuratively. We can't necessarily put ourselves in their minds or their hearts. The reason why is because we're not them. And we have probably not had the exact same experiences or come from the same belief system or see the world in the same way. In fact, we all tend to see the world through our own prism, uh, our own, you know, paradigm or, or model, if you will. And so it, it can be difficult to, to really understand them. So, fortunately, Empathy is not really a matter of having to understand exactly how another person feels. Communicating empathy is really communicating, and it might be through what you say, how you say it, or just how you show up. Empathy is really communicating to that person that while you may not understand exactly how they feel, you understand they're feeling something. And that this something may be uncomfortable for them or distressful to them, what have you, and that you are there for them to help them work through. That really is how we communicate empathy. Yeah, and and I think
1: I heard there wanting to understand. Maybe not being able to understand in the moment, but having a desire to understand and, and feel empathy for them. Yeah, that's good. Sure. So we've got those five laws, and and you, you delved into that empathy. That that's really good. Was was there one piece of advice you received before you even knew anything about what being a go giver and tell that was a difference maker for you?
0: Well, you know, I remember once. This is a couple of years after I'd been in sales. I I began as a broadcaster. I I like to say I graduated to sales and. I really learned sales, and I was doing pretty well after a couple of years, but certainly not, I was not at the point where I really should have been, and I was selling at that time for a company of uh, high-end uh, product and, and I remember coming back to the office one day uh, and I was kind of disgusted with myself because the sale didn't happen and it really should have because it would have been one that really benefited the other person. And, and yeah, I, I knew it was really on my end that the sale didn't happen. And uh, one of the, the, the people who were there was an older guy who, he was not, I'd been in the sales uh, department. I think he was an engineer and he even retired soon after. I didn't know him very well, but he was a very nice guy. And I think he saw in me uh, a guy with a lot of potential who just was kind of uh, not focused in the right direction. And he said to me, "Bird, can I give you some advice? Uh, and I said, absolutely, please do. And he said, you know, if, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. The target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, You'll get a reward, and that reward will come in the form of money, and you can do with that money whatever you choose, but never forget, money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that was really an epiphany for me, because it, it, it was the first time I realized that, you know, selling is not about the salesperson, Right? <laughs> Great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship, is it's never even, by the way, about the product or service, as important as the product or service is. Great salesmanship is always about the other person. It's about that person that you're choosing to bring value or add value to. Uh, it's about how that person is going to benefit, how their life is going to be better, how their problems are going to be solved through your product or service. And once you really make that shift, moving from what I call an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus, again, looking for ways to to make their lives better, that's really when things begin to turn around and, and sales begin to really happen.
1: That is wonderful, and I've, I've heard the we focus before, but I've never heard the other focus, so it's good to hear that from you. That, that really puts the emphasis on them and, and not even on us together. You're, you're talking about completely turning the focus to the other person, and they're definitely right. going to respond positively to that. So, you know, it, you, you said in the, this comment that sales didn't really happen. And when we think about that, you know, sales have to happen for us to eat, for us to provide for our families, for us to have Mm -hmm. things we want to have. So tell us a little bit more about how, although we we need to sell something, we need to make sure the transaction is for the other person.
0: Well, there's no dichotomy in that. We we do need to sell. We should be selling. That's why we're salespeople. Um, but it, it but there's no dichotomy between that and serving another person uh, you should be selling a lot but it should always be when it's going to benefit the the other person so um, you yeah, know that's it, it's so again it goes back to where the focus is uh, the focus is on the value you're bringing to another human being the money you receive is is the result of doing that that's why we say that uh, you know John David Mann might excellent co-author and I, we say that money is simply an echo of value. Money is an echo of value. It's the uh, thunder, if you will, the value like light. It simply means the focus must be on the other person. The focus must be on bringing value to them. The money you receive, uh, again, that's simply the result of the value provided. Yeah, that's
1: true. And, and commerce is all about me bringing those greenbacks out of my wallet and giving them to you for something that I perceive as valuable to me, and it takes a lot to get me to invest in something. You know, I want to research it, I want to understand it, and if you can convey that to me in, in a one meeting, you're you're pretty good at what you do. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit more than that to convince others, and so I think sometimes we got to be patient when we when, when we're putting forth our value proposition
0: yeah you know, selling by definition is simply discovering what the other person wants needs or desires and helping them to get it. So when we when we approach it that way, now we take selling from you know something you're doing to someone to something you're doing for someone. And remember, and I, I often say this when I speak at a sales conference, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Uh, they're not going to buy from you because you need the money or really want the sale to happen. They're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So again, when we keep that in mind and realize we're working for them, we're working to make their lives better, the money we receive is going to be the reward.
1: That is so true. And and while we're talking about helping others, let's talk about mentorship. And and for the listeners that listen regularly, you'll know that I began this podcast as a result of mentoring high school students, trying to encourage them. We really need people in the skilled trades and the construction industry. And because of that, I found my passion. So I understand mentorship. But what is the best way to find a mentor?
0: Well, I mean, you know, mentorship is great. Because people like you help help these kids cut learn you know, years off their learning curve and, and, and in business. When we can find a mentor, it, it helps us, you know, in our along our path. Uh, I think sometimes the way people go about finding a mentor is kind of counterproductive when they'll see someone or meet someone and they, they have a lot of respect for that person and they'll just say, sort of, hey, would you be my mentor? And and it typically doesn't work like that. Relationship is is just that it's a relationship and it develops over over time. And so when we just ask someone, "Hey, will you be my mentor?" it's almost like saying, "Hey, would you share you know thirty years of your life uh, with me?" Even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall. So um, so that's not to say though that we can't ask anyone uh, for assistance. And and but what I, I was just doing it in a way that's you know that's more more humble and kind of. Creates a more benevolent context for that person to be agreeable to that. So, I mean, I think you can approach anyone and and just say something <laughs> something along the lines of, uh, you know, if this is something that you, you know, are not able to do or or choose not to do for any reason, it, it I absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I could possibly ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, when you ask like that, what you've done is you you set the frame for this person to know that you're not, uh, it's not that you feel entitled to their, their wisdom. You're letting them know that you understand they're very busy. It may not be something that they, you know, choose to do or would want to do, and that that's okay. You're giving them the out or the back door. Now, what you're sa- asking is, uh, you know, instead of just hey, can I take your brain, or, or basically, you know, can I waste your time? What you're saying is, instead, um, if I may ask you one or two very specific questions. And that says to the person that not only do you respect the process, but that you're not going to take up a lot of their unnecessary time, that you obviously have a thought-out agenda, and that it's going to be a good use of, of time. And most people, most people, not, not all of them, but it doesn't have to be all of them, but most successful people will be glad to answer one or two questions. So, what I would do is I'd make sure, first of all, that, that none of the questions you plan to ask are questions to which you could easily have found the answer by doing some research yourself. Uh, so, you know, really go through their profile and, and, and search them as much as you can, you know, um, do your research uh, as much as you can. Uh, and then, you know, when you when you uh, talk with this person and you ask those questions, make sure that you don't take uh, uh, any more time than is necessary uh, because, again, you don't want to make them regret the fact that they, you know, decided to do this. Um, and then at the end, you let them know how very grateful you are. You look forward to applying their wisdom right away and you'll keep in touch and let them know how things are progressing. I would do is that day, right after you meet with them, is to send a handwritten, personalized note of thanks. Not a text, not an email. A handwritten note of thanks, brief, short, to the point. This as, you know, dear Mr. So and So or Miss So and So or or the person, however the relationship has been established. Thank you so much once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. Your wisdom is priceless, and I, I and I will be Applying it right away, uh, we'll keep in touch and let you know how things are. Best regard, so-and-so. Put it in a number 10 envelope or whatever envelope your note fits in. Hand stamp it. Not a meter machine. Hand stamp it. Send it out that day, and that person will appreciate that. What I'd also suggest, a really nice touch, is to make a small donation. It doesn't need to be anything big. It's a small donation to that person's favorite charitable cause. Uh, again, you can you can go on this person's website or 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 on Google, whatever, and find it out, or you can contact their administrative assistant, whatever you need to do. Make a small donation in their name. Uh, they'll they'll be uh, uh, notified that you did that. You're not doing it to tip up to the person, but again, you're doing it again just so they can see that you take the process seriously, that you respect it, that you value what they've just given to you in that you want to be able to give value to them even in some small way. Now, you, you might check back with them a few weeks later, a month, you know, what have you. Uh, you know, reestablish contact. You might have another question or what have you. And again, over time, if a mentor-protege relationship develops, great. It may or it may not. It might be you're just going to you know, it was just one or two times that you visit with this person. You'll do the same with some others. And eventually, if, it, if it's supposed to happen, you'll meet an ongoing mentor and eventually you'll then do the same for others. But uh, really, I think that's kind of the best way to go about the process.
1: Those are great ideas and suggestions. I'm uh, I've actually written down some of those so I can use those in the future. Some of my mentor relationships. Um, thank you so much for that. Did, and you don't have to name the person unless you want to, but do you have an example of a mentor that mentored you in your early days?
0: Well, I never had one, uh, excuse me, specific uh, uh, ongoing mentor, but I was very fortunate because it seemed like wherever I was and whatever I was doing, there were always people who I could ask for advice and who were very good in, in helping me. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, what I, I, mean, what I was did was I always, uh, again, made it easy for them to do it, and I was always very grateful and expressed that gratitude and always tried to do whatever I could for them, but uh, but I'd say with me, it was it was uh, kind of a series of, of short-term mentors.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've really experienced that as well, kind of like micro-mentors where it seems like if there's a stage in your life where you need something, that person suddenly appears and you, you can get
0: some... Exactly.
1: So in, in the book you make an interesting point that I think we should spend some time on, you say the go-giver philosophy is totally congruent with human nature. Well, that could be looked at in many ways, not all of them positive. Could you explain?
0: Well, you know, successful people tend to deal in truth. Okay, they they see the world as it is, not as they wish it would be. Now, that's not to say they don't try to improve upon it, but but they do it by first, working within universal law, okay, whether it's, you know, whether it's the law of gravity, so, you know, you don't walk off a seven-story building, because there's a law of gravity, whether you want there to be or not, okay? Uh, There's, you know, there's uh, economic law, uh, and there's there's laws of human nature, and I think it's a great idea to continually study human nature, because when we understand human nature, we we know how to handle ourselves in ways that are going to be productive. But what we want to do is tap into and respect human nature and work within it, not try to make it something that it, that it's not. Uh, so, you know, one of my one of my heroes, Harry Brown, used to say that people are are motivated, are, are driven um, by by basically by the pursuit of happiness. You know what it all comes down to is that everyone needs happiness. That's a, a very, very basic law of human nature. Now, we define happiness uh, as the mental feeling of well-being, and when you think about it, everything we do is designed. Everything decision we make uh, is with bringing us closer to happiness that mental feeling of well-being. However, as Harry said, there are three parts to that. So, number one, everyone seeks happiness. Number two, happiness is relative. In other words, we all understand happiness differently and individually. Because of this, we place different values on different things. So, in other words, what would make one person happy, what would bring happiness to one person, might be absolutely meaningless to someone else or might even cause someone else unhappiness. So if we're going to to work within human nature, we understand that as a salesperson, it's not what we think will what would make us happy about the product or service. It's why would it make that other person happy. If we're a leader, it's not what do you, you know, what do we want uh, you know, in a leader, it's what does that person want in a leader. How do we tap into what this person needs, wants and desires? How do we tap into the the problem we're helping them to solve? Or how are we have making life better for them by following up? Uh so in other words, we we make sure that we realize that that the way we understand happiness isn't necessarily the way they would understand happiness. So we know that, that people everyone sees happiness. Happiness is a relative, and then number three, resources are limited. Now, that's not to be misconstrued as being uh, a lack of prosperity thinking. Not not at all. Uh, we live in an abundant universe, certainly. But uh, as far as individually, we all have certain limitations. We all have a limited amount of time, right? Uh, we have a limited amount of uh, energy. We have a limited amount of money. We have a limited amount of knowledge. We have a limited amount of and, and so, because of this, we're constantly, as human beings, having to make choices. Uh, throughout the day, we make lots and lots of choices. Some of them are conscious, many of them are unconscious. But we're constantly making choices based on what we believe when we weigh everything together, what will bring us closer to happiness based on our understanding of happiness. This is understanding human nature. So that means that when you're leading someone or whether you're in the selling process, which is, of course, also a form of leadership, you know that when it comes right down to it, the decision that person makes, whether to buy from you, follow you, or allow themselves to be influenced by you, is always going to come down to whether they believe it's going to bring them closer to happiness based on their understanding of happiness and within the limited choices or options they believe they have.
1: I love that. And, and I, I keep hearing a common thread of the perspective of someone else, which, is, as, as you mentioned, right. is going to be different than ours. And we've got to consider uh-huh. that perspective. If we want to give them value, we have to know what's valuable to them. You're supposed ah, to be exactly. researching someone. So you can do that, you know, through social media, through the website, their websites. You know, I did a little bit of that research prior to interviewing you because I want to find out, you know, how's my thinking, it yeah. going, it just can really yeah. have an impactful. If, if you talk about the mentoring, if you know a little bit about the person, you have some real good questions about them and their experiences. As as, as like you alluded to, I'm just going to reemphasize it. Ask them specific questions. Don't just ask if I'm successful. You know, Ask them, how did you do X, Y, or Z in your early career? Something that they can relate to and give you a specific answer to. I love those thoughts. I love the perspective. And That's a recurring podcast is think about what someone else wants and needs and consider their values. And I said it earlier on another podcast, you don't have to agree with their values to recognize and respect them.
0: Because we all have our own set great, great hmm but, but let's,
1: let's let's consider there and be respectful of them. Bob, anything else you want to do today before we end the podcast here? Tell us anything.
0: No, I've had a wonderful time. I thank you for uh, having me on your show. Uh, anyone who'd like to, to drop by can just visit burg b u r g dot com and and uh, see what's there for them and have some fun.
1: So for our listeners, I'll add that to the podcast, Bob's website. You can also find him on LinkedIn, as I do, and enjoy his posts and comments there. Listen, don't forget to go to our website, www.buildcs.net, and apply to be a guest. Tell me what you're passionate about, and we may have you on on the podcast. Or you can also recommend a guest, someone that you would like to hear from on this podcast. We really want to hear from you. Go over to wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us an honest rating and a review. Help us to make it better. We thank you for listening to this podcast today. It's been great to have Bob, Bob Berg, the go-giver, the author of the book. It's just a great call today, great podcast. Listen, remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you.